0: ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees.
1: Definitely a fan of the killer Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique.
0: Live from the Veritech's Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston Sports Radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up.
2: Ooh, what up, H Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank on Branham. It's Joe George behind the glass. It's a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 975 and ESPN 925. You know, they say radio hosts when they're in studio, they don't have to battle the elements. <laughs> it's not the case. Blankers has a, uh, how would you describe it, a dirty Kleenex? A snotty clean. How do you know it's snotty? Because it looks
3: kind of yellow-tinted, and it could it's be all something crushed else. up. And look, Lance Zerline is filthy, okay? How I've, do I've, you know it's Lance? It could be Paul. I'm going to tell you exactly how I know it's Lance, because it's like CSI ESPN. I can figure this stuff out. Lance, notoriously, over the years, has left me bloody napkins all kinds of like science projects and things on this little ledge below the, the top of the desk and I walk in here and I say to Jeremy oh great Lance decided to leave me snotty nap or snotty Kleenexes because here they are bunched up I will verify it during the break I'll go down to his office right here jammed under the uh, under the desk way to go Lance Thanks.
2: Ba- battling the elements would you rather it be Lance's or Paul's what about beard I forgot about beard that could be a whole lot of disaster right there. So who who of the three rank them? Who, who would you hope that it is? Paul. And Paul's got some stuff that, you know, maybe uh, the wedded guys do not. Well, Paul's got, I, I think Paul just comes across as cleaner overall, though. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. All right, so Paul, you would hope it's Paul. It's who's yeah. second? Lance or Beard? Beard, because
3: I've already known the track record of Lance, and it's nasty. The yeah. blood, the, the bloody napkins. The one day, and he's like, and he didn't even bat an eye. I said, "Hey, Lance, did you happen to leave bloody napkins all <laughs> over under the desk?" He's like. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I did forgot. so yeah during the show, I was bleeding all over, but I just figured I, I'm, I was gonna do it by the end of the show. Well, you didn't thanks
2: the uh the issue though is if it's uh if it's lances, that means that that Paul and beard sat there with it and endured it their entire show. never noticed it maybe maybe not. Maybe not. Um, Texans play on Saturday. We're just a couple of days away. Did you see Jacoby Jones? They're like, he's doing something pregame for the Baltimore Ravens. Like, just all troll. Like, honorary team captain? Yeah. Which, I mean... I'm. I just tweeted about it too. Like I'm okay with that. Like the last time the Texans got trolled was whenever the Titans wore the Oilers uniforms, yeah, and they won. And they won. So like, hey, yeah. I don't think it's going to add like motivation, but just karma, just karma. And they also honored Ray Rice the other day. They so did. there's a and lot they of, called him legend. Legend, Ray Rice. Yeah. I can see where he's a legend in franchise history. Now I'm probably dropping the legend label the moment that he has a right hook across the face of a woman. That's probably see, that's when where I at. drop the legend term. I'd say former Raven, but I thought they called him like former former Raven Great
3: or former Raven Legend.
2: I mean, he is he is if he didn't have the you know the the right hook across. Yeah, the face but of once a woman. he
3: does that, all bets are off. The I would have never on. Him. I wouldn't
2: either. He would he would have been nowhere near my you know Ring of Honor honoring him. So the the Ravens got some bad karma. They got some bad karma with Ray Rice. They got some bad karma trying to troll the Texans with Jacoby Jones. They got. Uh, Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, which might be some bad karma or at least a bad play uh, as well. But from a Houston Texans point of view, it's kind of thinking about this just as I was looking at my normal stuff today. I've never felt better about this organization ever. And like we've seen the birth of this organization in the early 2000s. We've seen this organization grow up. Uh, We've seen the growth uh, and the upward trajectory and then the downward trajectory and then the rock bottom trajectory of this organization. We've seen it from the birth all the way till now. I've never felt better about the direction of this organization than I do now. And I know you've been to some other divisional rounds. You've never been past the divisional round, which wouldn't that be something? But even in those years, I never felt as good as I do now. And I think that you've had better rosters, quite frankly. I think you've had better rosters in the course of Houston Texans history than you do this year. But the reason that I feel the best about this version of the Texans and more so than any other is because you have a really good head coach and a really good quarterback at the same time. And then you couple that with a young foundation that you expect to get better together. Couple that with the fact that you have 70-something million dollars to spend in cap space, in free agency if you want to, or hold your own. You still have basically a full arsenal of draft picks this year. You have C.J. Stroud on a rookie contract for the next four seasons after this one, the fifth-year rookie option. I've never felt better about a Houston Texans. I don't want to call it a team because there has been better rosters. I've just never felt better about where the Houston Texans are than I do currently, right I'm, now, this instant. I'm totally with you, and I'm with you for
3: a variety of reasons, and it starts with no matter how good the Texans were in the past, and we talk about that whole formula that Jimmy Johnson brought up a couple months ago, too, on air, about in order to be a really successful team in the NFL, you got to have a great coach, a great quarterback, and I think he said a great defense. But But when you think about it, When the Texans were really, really good, I don't think anybody ever, even before the pick sixes, I don't think everybody thought Matt Schaub was like top 10 kind of caliber quarterback. Maybe
2: maybe Cuss was top 10, but more statistical than talent. Yeah,
3: he was good, but was he a guy that was going to win you football games and make the big throws and do the things that we've seen some of the 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 ones that are considered great or top 10-ish? over the years i don't think anybody really felt total confidence in them no matter how you felt about coobs or or the coaching staffs and then you roll into it and say look you had jj watt you had a team with andre johnson but you had bill o'brien and when you had bill o'brien there was always in the back of everybody's minds that you and i have talked about our 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 differing not differing but our, the different ways we didn't trust or like bill o'brien and you think about it and go, that's why you never really felt totally confident. Right now, I feel total confidence. This team is not only good, it's going to continue to get better. It is under the direction of the perfect coach for them that really seems like it's one thing to say he knows, the, X, he knows the X's and O's and he's, he's doing all those kind of things. But when you get the sound on the sidelines, when you see the emotion, when you see how his players would run through a wall for him, you love him even more. And, you know, you get your franchise quarterback. And, oh, by the way, the defense ain't bad, and it's going to get better. And like you said, with the money involved from a cap perspective and the draft picks that they have coming to them, this is going to be a fun ride for the, for the next several years. You look at it, and go. I have never felt better about
2: the Houston Texans. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Has there ever been a time that you felt better about the Houston Texans? Uh, Bill O'Brien was the the big thing for me, like because mm-hmm. he had some good teams. Like you just went through the list of players that he had. That that was. I mean, you even had a quarterback at the time. Like Deshaun Watson was good for a period of time. So. It was not so much the roster for some of those Bill O'Brien teams. It just felt like you were being held back because of Bill O'Brien and it never had faith in Bill O'Brien. When they were twenty four nothing at Arrowhead, I I I think Bill O'Brien's gonna find a way to screw this up. Bill O'Brien found a way to screw it up. I liked Gary Kubiak a lot. I think Gary Kubiak's a really good head coach. I think he's probably a better OC than he is a head coach. But those teams are like, eh, they're not quite as talented as the Patriots because they're the Brady Patriots. They're not quite as talented as the Ravens. And you are so unlucky in some of the Kubiak times. Like, the year that you might have had the best roster when you won that first ever playoff game, Schaub was hurt. You had to play TJ Yates. So, like... It almost felt like Kubiak was cursed in a way. And then, of course, his tenure as the Houston Texans head coach ended in a you know, terrible way. He had a little right. bit of a the health, scare. You know, a health yeah. scare on the sideline. And then you know, never could really recover. And they moved on from him as the head coach. So I felt like they were a little snake bit for, with Kubiak for whatever reason. Never fully trusted Bill O'Brien. I trust D'Amico Ryans. And I don't think D'Amico Ryans is the best game manager in the league. Like, he's been questionable at times with timeouts. Uh, He might be the best defensive coordinator in the league. I will say that. But I also think that he is a tremendous leader. I think that what he has done with culture is very noticeable. A lot of times when culture is not noticeable, look where they were the last two to three years. Like, Mm -hmm. it was was a train wreck from a culture point of view. Um, And now it's like one of the best in the league. Like, he's, he's, and I understand that when you're winning, it makes things look better. But early in the year, does D'Amico even really like Christian Harris? He's not playing him a whole lot. And then all of a sudden, Christian Harris is playing at an extremely high level for his position and making these critical plays in the playoffs. And he's going over the sideline and hugging him and telling him how much he loves him. Uh, You hear some of the other players, Brevin Jordan, well, he just brings out the best in you. People speak glowingly about him, his leadership skills, and how much he helps them develop. Did you ever hear that from Bill O'Brien? No. And I think the other thing, too, Jeremy, when you think about it, was
3: because they were good, maybe they weren't great great, but there were still thoughts that they could even continue to get better. But no one ever trusted Bill O'Brien. And you think about the, the the small and the big things that kept coming into play when he had interactions with players, when he had interactions with the fans, when he had interactions with the media and everybody's like, this dude's kind of an A, but you know, at the same time, They were winning, so you kind of tolerated it until they weren't. And then that that debacle in Kansas City was like, okay, now it's all been validated for me. It's so much worse than you could have thought because you were in a position to go further than this team has ever gone. And that one guy played a massive role in the reason why you didn't. And then from there the doors fell off the wheels fell off and it, it was it, four weeks into the next season when you yeah. finally you know, when Cal finally had the the stones to get rid of him but you're like this is why I could never get on board fully with that team he disrespected the fans he disrespected the people in the media the players seemed to quietly have a, a disdain for him and then. It all fell apart, and you were like, this is this is exactly why. You don't feel that way with D'Amico. You feel like this is a dude that you can 100% get behind, and he's not going to let you down.
2: And, like, I don't need kumbaya between player and coach. Like, I don't I don't need that. Like, I think that coaches should be hard on players. I think it, that's what brings the most out of them. Now, they need to know that you love them, uh, whether it's you're hugging them on the sideline or you're pulling them behind, you know, closed doors or you're pulling them outside of the practice field. Like, they need to know that you care for them first and foremost. But I don't need, like, this soft player's coach like, I like a little bit of toughness, quite frankly. But I need a coach that develops young players. And I don't think O'Brien ever did that. We've seen it already with D'Amico. Look at this. Like, it, it, Do you want to give him credit for Stroud? If you don't, I, I understand that. I do think D'Amico's instilled some confidence in Stroud. Like, I, Just a little all-access thing. I am i can't wait to see you ball. Like, Just a little stuff like that kind of gets him going. But look at all the, the players on the defensive side that have really grown in one single season. One single season with D'Amico Ryan's. Will Anderson, like from Will Anderson for the start of the season to now is a different player, mm-hmm. and in a very good way. Derek Stingley we were calling a bust and doesn't belong on the same playing field as Sauce Gardner. Now we're arguing that he's better than Sauce Gardner, and you would have a very good argument. I think Jalen Petrie's been a bit up and down, but I really do think Jalen Petrie's better now than he was at the start of the year. His missed assignments and stuff have gotten better in the last three to four weeks. And then the obvious one's Christian Harris. Christian Harris is a night and day turnaround from the start of the season to the end of the season. That's four players right there in one season that he is getting the most out of, and that's what I want from a head coach.
3: Yeah, no, look, you're right. And when you think about it, too, I think about a lot of other things. Like, there were people... That were rightfully so criticizing Nick Casario, questioning him a lot, and now all of a sudden D'Amico comes in the building. There's synergy, there's communication, and the next thing you know, these guys are in lockstep, and, and things are falling in the right place to the players that he brings in and the players that D'Amico makes better, and the fact that they are working in unison. They're not afraid to go out and get players that are veterans. You know, during the season when cut by other teams. Everything seems to work out. And to your point on the coaching, the one thing I would say is, look, everybody's different. And some guys can be coached with tough love and some guys need a little coddling. But at the end of the day, what they really all would love more than anything else is just be honesty. Give me a straight shooter. If you come to me and say, I'm not doing my job and you explain why, don't just do that or blow smoke at me and then change your mind the next day or in the media or in the press conferences or in the game. If you get a guy that's a straight shooter that you can get behind, that's all you can ask for in any professional sport. So I think D'Amico brings all those characteristics, but he even said when he took the job, and you look at what he did with Fred Warner and some, some of the guys he got in San Francisco, he looked to be able to develop the guy that wasn't going to be the lock the lock, Sherlock star player that they were drafting. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in several occasions, he turned those lower, lower picks into higher – Playing players, and that's what you love too. He wants to develop the players. He wants to spend the time. Some of these coaches think they're too big and got too many other things to do to sit there and try and develop the players. They're just here to expect the best and the most out of them. D'Amico seems to be totally a hundred percent in on everything to do with the players and the team and locker room, and
2: that's huge. It's a good point about like you—you you have to have a different voice to certain players because some some will respond to you getting onto them, some will completely shut down. The good coaches are the ones that notice that and then they have a softer voice with the ones they need to have a softer voice with, and then they don't for the ones they don't have to have that with. And I think D'Amico, I think D'Amico has those skills, and I think he's learned it throughout his career as a player, uh, being in San Francisco, and things along the way. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Is this the best you've ever felt about the Texans? 713-780-3776. Bad Take Boulevard Thursday. You boys are on this list. I'll just let you know that right now. How do we say our guest at four? I'm going to need to workshop this before he Kadri. comes on. Codry? Are you sure? Kadri Ismail. Is it Kadri?
1: Yeah, it's on there.
2: I understand. I was making sure that that was proper.
1: He sent that to me.
2: He did. Kadri. That's interesting. Kadri Isma, Ismail. He said, no Kadri you. Ismail. Ismail? Yes. Kadri Ismail. Yes. Kadri Ismail, who does Ravens pre and post television up in Baltimore. The will be joining us. The Missile. I'm just going to call him The Missile. Yeah. Uh He'll be joining us at 4 o'clock. We'll get to that. Uh, also, some interesting stuff coming from uh, all over the place. Like, what things make you mad and some of the things that you're hearing uh, from around the league? What makes you work? I saw Josh Beard getting so ticked off about pro football focus grades. Like, it's just a pro football focus grade, man. Uh, but the Astros, with uh, a little bit of a, a some significant news, not a little bit, it's a lot of bit. Uh, just a moment ago, Chandler Rome tweeted out, the Astros are making a serious push for Josh Hader. If they get this done, if they get over the top with Josh Hader, does this change how you view the offseason? 713-780-3776, HRMP listener line. Uh, we're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pacman Joel on Twitter. Joe's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 at ESPN 92.5.
3: Hey, before we go to the break, a moment for Allstate siding and windows. Look, I've told you about the windows. I just had the windows installed at my house. As a family, we love them. It completely upgrades the entire look, of and value of your house and obviously huge energy savings but today I'm going to tell you about the siding because the siding is great too you're protecting your biggest investment that being your house and you don't have to do the painting and the staining and the repairing of the outside of your home if you go to the siding because the siding takes care of all of that it's like a hard shell finish that is protective and puts a barrier between the elements and your house and it it kind of in lockstep can be used with the windows or you can do one and then the other but you can consider best ways to upgrade your house siding could be right there in line with windows because there's a huge selection of colors there it's a quality product that's going to last it's super tough and it's going to save you on your electric bills they're going to make sure that they walk you through the entire process and they're great because you can have them come out And Mary, look, she runs the business side. Mike, he gets out there and personally gets out there and tells you how he can help you kind of protect your house and up the value. And they're going to come out to your house and tell you siding and windows and explain it all to you so you can understand how you can make a difference protecting your house. Call today, 832-204-1936. Always got specials going on, 12 months interest free. You can save $2,000 off a siding job. Just mention ESPN 97.5 because they are proud sponsors of the station. 832-204-1936. 832-204-1936. Have them come to your house or go to AllstateWindowsAndSiding.com.
0: All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios.
2: He's blank on Branham. Uh, we said today was the injury report that you needed to look out for the Texans. Eh, pretty good. Uh, they rolled out... Jerry Hughes, which we kind of expected... Uh, George Fan did not predict, uh, participate today. Illness, questionable, but, eh, I mean, he's your starting right tackle. I, I don't think there's a huge drop-off to Charlie Heck, but you'd rather him play than not play. But an illness, I imagine he would play Saturday. Uh, Nico did not participate, but that was not injury-related. It was rest. He's not, He has not been given a game status, so that means he's good to go 100%. Uh, Will Anderson, limited participant, but did not have a game status. I mean, he's good to go. John Grenard, no game status. He's good to go. Malik Collins, Sheldon Rankins, no game status. They're good to go. Uh, The only ones are Fant with the illness is questionable. Andrew Beck with a back—that's tongue twister—questionable. Jerry Hughes with an ankle is out. Uh, The Ravens. Marlon Humphrey is out. They don't travel their corners either. By the way, maybe they can hide Nico. Uh, Tylen Wallace, who's he? Uh, Delshawn Phillips, questionable. Who's he? Mark Andrews, who's he? Just kidding. Uh, He's also questionable. Uh, Devin Duvernay is questionable. Uh, which he can help out in the return game, yes, and Darius Washington, questionable with a peck. I wish I had one of those. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, Lamont says, uh, we'll get to the hater stuff in just a second, so hang tight. Uh, Lamont, man, I think O'Brien is a bad word, a full bad word. I do not like that dude, but building an argument against O'Brien to me with he disrespected the media is probably the weakest of takes. Blinkers? Didn't say
3: just that, Lamont. Didn't say that just all. <laughs> so I'd, I'd, I welcome you to listen with other orifices than what you were choosing to there to get what you wanted out of that conversation. I said, when you look at the body of work of what he did and why you don't trust him, why you don't like him. There were lots of different reasons to say any of those things. When he used to go at the media for getting asked the tough question, and then he'd get defensive. When he went from the tunnel to like, you suck too, MFR and went after fans because he had another poor performance, but he was going to go and take it out on the fan base. When you hear that he did it to players in the locker room or he had a problem with DeAndre Hopkins because of his baby mamas or his practice habits, when he was your, the, one of the best receivers in the NFL or the fact that he took Brock Osweiler behind a closed doors at half time and tried to throw a punch at him and they had it out in the middle of a game I mean just a lot of different reasons why you don't like him but because they were winning enough people kind of tried to subdue their disapproval of Bill O'Brien until they just couldn't anymore and the Kansas City game is when it all fell apart
2: who's more defensive uh, Bill O'Brien or Blankers it's I would say I would say Bill (laughs) but it might be close uh I I, I, that's not all that you said. It was a very, it was a small fraction of the case against Bill O'Brien. Uh, so I'll back you up on that. I, I don't care about the media stuff. Like you can be, a, you can be Bill Belichick to the media if you win games. Cool with me. Uh, you can yell at the fans all you want if you're winning games. Cool with me. I, I, I don't. That to me is entertaining. I think that, that stuff is funny. I don't think that that stuff is actually tangible towards winning. Now it does shorten your leash. Like it, it makes the fans get on you quicker if you're a jerk. If a bad word to the to the fans. Uh, the media will turn on. On you much quicker sure i think it could help your job security and i think it might even like buy you a year sometimes but if you're winning games i don't care how my coach is acting to the media or the fans a lot too jeremy is it,
3: it, you take into consideration the standing of the entire organization how the organization looks because a lot of organizations are going to be like that's a bad look for our organization if our head coach is out there and he's you know attacking media members for asking a question that's tough you know because we always say there should be more media members in the Houston market that are willing to ask the tough questions Mm -hmm. when they're warranted. And sometimes obviously guys are going to ask them when they're not. And that's a different story, but you could just say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not answering that crap today or, or, you know, that was, but if you go at them and you get animated and upset with them, some organizations more than others. that say, man, that's a bad look.
2: I think we get good questions from our media. I just think we get a lot of softballs from the media, and it kind of dilutes what we would consider tough media. Because I, I think they do get asked some difficult questions at times. And depending on where you like, who you're talking to, is it Dusty? You know, is it D'Amico? Like D'Amico did not get asked a ton of no. tough ones right now, uh, but he will. Like, he, why did you kick a field goal there? You know, like he he does get asked that, but it's more of the softballs that dilute the one tough one every now and then. I uh, just
3: remember a lot in the last couple. Years where it came up, and I was like, you know what? Some days I do miss Barry Warner because Barry would be the guy that would just, you know, have no scruples about asking anything and everything, and going at a coach. Whereas other people either try to kind of tap dance around it, or you know, really softly allude to it. Mm-hmm. Just go at it and ask the question. What's yeah. the worst that can happen?
2: Yeah, they yell at you. like yeah. whatever. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. So Chandler Rome, right before we went on the air. Um reported that the Astros are making a push for Josh Hader, which is exciting cuz what do the Astros need right now? They need bullpen. They need it. They need help in the bullpen. And the idea of Josh Hader in the back end of this bullpen is deadly to me like you're looking and it's hard for me to like not allow my mind to go there like I always like to temper my expectation like I think this this could be an Astros angle hey let's leak that we're really going after Josh Hader let's get our fan base hey look they're trying but then you don't come you come up short and Mm -hmm. don't do it Mm -hmm. I think at times the Astros have been used by agents as the other team to force other teams into signing it was uh, Anthony Rizzo Rizzo. last year with the Yankees and I think that it was uh, there was another one too I can't remember who it was. But we've seen the Astros at times, the Rizzo's the best example, where they've been used as this team is trying to get them, and then the next day they sign with another team. So I do want to temper expectation because we saw it last year. I think the Astros angle probably exists as well, but I would put it more on hater's agent than anything else. Like, hey, the Astros are in. Yankees, you better give us the deal you want. And the the following day, uh, Josh hater's a Yankee. Now, if this were to happen... And Josh Hader becomes a Houston Astro, I mean, you, you you have the best back end of the bullpen in baseball. You got Ryan Presley, who's super solid, Brian Abreu, who I've called the best reliever in baseball, and then Josh Hader might be the best lefty reliever in baseball. I would be over the moon. You posted a question in the rundown today, and I was thinking about it. You said, "What would, what would turn this off season around? What would make this off season grade like an A or a B? And I was like, "I don't think it's possible." And then the Hater news drops. I'm like, "There it is. That's the answer."
3: Yeah, that's huge. And look, you know, Hater was an Astros prospect in one of the lesser trades in Astros history. But Hater's a guy that I saw in Milwaukee, and Hater's a guy like you mentioned. He's a lefty, and we always talk about you know Dusty always wanted a lefty, but a lefty like that is like a game changer. And if you start talking about bringing in a Josh Hader, because the other thing I thought about right when uh, we were talking about the, the, the Rome tweet and what was coming out, I'm like, is that motivating the Rangers? Because the last thing the Rangers would want to do, because been, they've been linked to him throughout the offseason, would be all of a sudden, oh, look, the Astros are interested. What could be the worst-case scenario for us? We balk on Josh Hader, and he signs with Houston instead. So you're right. You do have to kind of temper it, and you hope to God that's not the case. Because if it's real and it's a possibility – Oh my goodness would that change my outlook on everything in the offseason now would I be selfishly still looking to add a bat and, mm-hmm. and improve the bat sure but if you put the the 789 in the hands of those three guys you almost instantly shorten the games to 6 innings mm-hmm. wow yeah, that would, I would be
2: unbelievable. I would be really excited about the movie. It would also illustrate that this whole Jim Crane cheap thing, like, well, he'd be going into the competitive no balance doubt. tax because they're already, like, right at the competitive balance tax. Some estimates have them slightly over. I mean, you're looking at Hayter. That's going to be close to, what, $15, $17 million well, a year? Probably seventeen. The report 17.
1: was that he wants to break the record, which was set last year by Edwin Diaz. So that's over
2: twenty. Nope. Yep.
1: It was five years, $102 million. So is what 20 million ish,
2: that's a lot of
1: 20.4 I cannot I, I love the idea of Jim Crane baking the like breaking the bank, yeah. but like I, I can't imagine a world in which he does that.
2: Well, I would I mean I want a billion dollars. No one's handing that to me either. So like him saying I want that isn't the same thing as he's going to get that. Right.
3: But do you guys think this too? Do you think that maybe at some point a lot of organizations like maybe Houston in this case think about doing the Otani type deal to try and kind of Push it down the road a little bit
2: so that they can be Uh. more creative. I don't, I don't think, I don't think so. I think that's going to be a, an anomaly uh, because what I was reading too is that you have to start paying on that contract within six months of doing it. You just have to put it like in either like escrow. You can also put it in like a four hundred one k type of thing, which kind of helps you as an organization because that money is like you're getting compound interest. Not to go out too out in the weeds, you know how uh, Cuban used. But to But I also that. don't think players want to do that. Like uh, if Josh Hader wants twenty million dollars a year, you think like Josh Hader doesn't have the endorsements of Shohei? Right. He's going to take two of the twenty and then push the eighteen million like twenty years down the road. I, I don't. I think you yeah, got have. You gotta, have the, you gotta have the marketing anomaly. capability.
3: I mean, Shohei, also just the international appeal is massive. But you definitely have to have the side income on endorsements and things to be able to kind of make that all work. But I, I just I'm curious if that doesn't factor into the equation because Joe, you brought up another uh, question when when we were talking about this prior, and that is if you add Hater and you have a Brayu. And we still are talking about if you need a bat or you need another arm. Would you consider trading Presley to get one or both of those things? I don't think so. I don't
2: think that you're adding to like because now you're back in the same issue that you're you're currently in today. Like you still get another reliever as part of the deal. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I just. I don't know what kind of team is trading for a closer and then trade also trading a major league baseball outfielder. Like it seems counterproductive. If you're a contender, you're not going to trade one of your starting caliber outfielders for a reliever. Like it just to me, it doesn't really fit. Like what teams are trying to do. Like maybe at the deadline, but even then, you, like that's a that's a move that a winner makes, and they would be trading from their starting outfield because you don't want somebody's backup.
1: Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about this too was. Is this the, where you'd want them to spend the money? I, I know the Graven injury just happened, so like it feels fresh. Mm-hmm. We've talked so much on this show about left field. If they're going to go this over, is another closer-style sti- like player what you want to spend $20 million on, or is it a left fielder?
2: Would you rather have Jorge Soler or Josh Hader? Ooh, That's a good, let's ask that on the other That's side. Really let's go, go out to the HRMP yeah. listener line real quick, though. 713-780-3776. Uh, Frank's been hanging a while, so let's go out there. Frank, you're in the hive of the bees. What's up? Hey, what's going on guys, everyday listener. Uh that's a great question that you guys just
3: posed, so Lair Hader. I look at it the same way you did. Uh, now with the new rule that you gotta face three guys, you can literally go closer, closer, closer with a
2: you Presley hater. If they got the top three coming up and there's a lefty in there in the seventh, you throw hater out there, then you got a Bray you going at the bottom of the or the middle of the lineup in the eighth, and then Presley shut them down in the ninth. That is a really good problem to have. You're essentially making them six-inning games, and not to mention we got a lot of guys going back in the bullpen from injury. So the more we can shorten
3: these games up, the less tax we got on those guys. And, and hopefully, one of our young guys steps up,
2: Devon or McCormick, one of those guys, and and we get it done. That's my thought. I'll show up with it. Appreciate it, Frank. Seven one three seven eight zero 780 espn uh, The Astros are making a push at Josh Hader, according to Chandler Rome. Uh, what do you do with the bullpen if you do bring in Josh Hader? What does the 7th, the 8th, the ninth inning look like? And, and to Joe's point, like the question Joe just asked, is this where you want the Astros to spend 20 million? Killer bees. ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.
3: Hey, guys, before we go to the break, look, a word for Daisy Dips, because we know that Daisy makes uh, unbelievable sour cream, and everybody does the dollop of Daisy on their baked potatoes when they load them up. But the fact of the matter is, Daisy also does dips. And with the big game coming up on Saturday, all the NFL games coming up this weekend, and you having viewing parties between now and the biggest of all games in February, the best way to enhance all the food that you serve during your viewing party is to get you a couple of tubs of Daisy Dips. They got the French onion. They got the ranch. You can use it on everything from your favorite chips to the veggie dips to maybe some pizza or some wings. And the fact of the matter is you don't have to sit in the kitchen trying to make the best dip. It's already made for you. Just go to your grocery store, go to the dairy aisle, go get you a couple of tubs of Daisy Dips, serve it with all your food. People are going to love it. And it may be as good or better than the games. That's how fantastic it can be. I grew up on French onion dip. My mom used to have to make it from scratch and it was tough to watch because she was always trying to get it just right. You don't have to worry about it anymore just go to the grocery store and grab you some daisy
0: dips the killer bees what about the murderous jays we've got joel jeremy and joe that's three jays coming to you live from the veritex community bank studios on espn 97.5 it's the killer bees and murderous jays
2: Kadri Ismail is going to join us at 4 o'clock, does TV for uh, the Baltimore Ravens pregame, postgame, so make sure you're sticking around for that. Uh, Josh Hader, rumors are, according to Chandler Rome of The Athletic, that the Astros are making a push for Josh Hader. Could this be Hader's agent putting pressure on another team? Could it be the Astros leaking it? Hey guys, look, we're trying, maybe, but maybe it actually is tangible, maybe it is actually real. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Brother uh, Bear, brother on Twitch, twitch.tv uh, TV slash ESPN 97.5. That move would be like Lidge Dottel Wagner. Uh, my mind went there too. Like it, it would have the makings of a Lidge Dottel Wagner lockdown seven eight nine, where you feel really good if you had the lead after six. It'd innings. be great
3: when you think about the starters you have. With, especially with the top of the rotation when you get a Fromber or a Verlander, and we know that you know Verlander indirectly is also chasing wins, but what a great situation to be in where Verlander doesn't have to overextend knowing that, hey, if I get through six and I got the lead, I got three guys that are going to be horses that I turn it over to. Fromber the same way because we know that he can, he can really get deep into games and, and, and give you everything he's got. You got good starting pitching at the front, and you got those three guys at the back, and my goodness, that would be a hell of a setup.
2: Eight four three seven. Sure, the offseason will look better if they bring in Hater, but I'd also say that the bullpen was not the weakness of the team last season. Uh, that weakness fell on the starting pitching, not performing the way it should have. Okay. Uh, but I, I don't think it's fair to look at last season relative to right now. Like... You lost, Last season's team had Hector Neris, it had Phil Maton, it had Ryan Stanek. Am I missing anybody else out of the bullpen? I think I got them all. Yeah. And they're gone. Like they're, they're they're free agents. They're no longer going to be with you. So, yeah, that was not the weakness of the team last year, but is it currently the weakness? Since the Graveman injury, we were looking at the – because you have eight bullpen spots. If you go to a five-man rotation, you have eight bullpen spots. Right now, you only have four guys that you feel comfortable – you might even feel, not even feel comfortable about all of them. You currently only have four guys that are guaranteed a spot on the Major League team. Maybe even three: uh, Ryan Presley, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero. Because of his contract, you might not feel confident in him. And then the fourth one's whoever doesn't win the fifth starter job between Jose Arquidi and J.P. France. And if you keep, if you go with a six-man rotation then you only have seven bullpen spots. So three of them, maybe even four of them, you'd have no idea who they are. Like you have this collection of 4A relievers and you're hoping that a couple of them fill out your uh, bullpen. So comparing the Astros' current needs and weaknesses versus the roster they had in 2023 isn't a right way to look at it. Right? No, it's not. And and you
3: think about just the the totality of what was was thrown out there in the comment too. The starting pitcher is going to get better for the guys that are getting healthy. The starting pitcher is going to get better because we have, you have a surplus but also exactly what you said i mean when you're losing three guys out of your bullpen and this bullpen what 2 years ago was the best bullpen in baseball and last year uh, you know they hovered in the top 10 we'll just say that but it was a better than average bullpen and now when you're starting to look at filling holes it's one thing to say oh we lost one guy that was a key contributor at the back end that kind of handled the 6th and the 7th when you're you're actually taking away three of them assuming that all three are gone unless something really kind of crazy happens down the stretch or Narris changes his dollar figure, which was extreme. And, and or the fact that you're also counting on a guy that without a general manager, your owner and a select few people that we know of with Jeff Bagwell overpaid a Montero who didn't have his greatest year last year. And now you're going to expect more from him. So there were holes created by that. There's holes with the Graveman injury. It's not the same bullpen no matter what. But it's definitely one of the two biggest areas I think all three of us identified that they need to kind of attack the bullpen and an extra bat would be fantastic because the other one was backup catcher and they already took care of that. So that's what you have to look at and that's what you have to consider in terms of
2: what you had versus what you have right now. Seven one three seven eight zero espn Let's get to the uh, the great question that Joe had. Uh, That's what Frank said. Not us. We didn't say that. Frank said that, who's a, a P1. So kudos to Joe for the great question. Uh, is this the right way to spend 20 million like if the Astros <laughs> Joe's clapping if the uh if the Astros are going to spend 20 million dollars cuz it'd be 20 ish like we don't know it could be 17 it could be 23 uh I, it wouldn't be 23 it'd be 21 maximum so somewhere in that range 17 21 million dollars let's just go 20 ish if you're going to spend 20 ish million dollars to add to this team the pitchers and catchers report in less than 3 weeks or 3 weeks or so is that the right way to spend the 20 ish million dollars Probably
3: not all in one basket, right? Probably not all. Now that's and that's a really dom. That's a lefty. That's a dominating closer type pitcher. That that that's bringing a lot to the table. But if you think about, is it the absolute best way or right way for this or this team to do that? I would say if you could get enough, and say it's in the twenty twenty one million dollar range, but say that same twenty million dollars could get you Solaire and two veteran relief pitchers. I think that's
2: a way better way because. We just. Well, I don't. To, I think. I don't think that's possible. Because Solaire is going to cost you what? Like twelve, fifteen. Is so he going like, to get that much? I think so. I'd See, think I was so. thinking more if you get him for eight to ten, and then split yeah. the split the the change on two relief pitchers. I mean, Kevin Kiermaier signed a double double figure deal. I know that he's a defensive minded center fielder. Like, look what um, the uh, center fielder who was with the Yankees, Bayer, Harrison uh, Bader. Bader, Bader yeah. got a ten million one year deal. Like, yeah. I, I think Solaire's is going to get you at least twelve, upwards to fifteen, sixteen. So that, I think w- I think you might be able to go Solaire and then like a lower tier lever, like maybe a Solaire and a Matt Moore. Maybe it's not bad though. Maybe yeah, I mean, would you rather have Solaire, Matt Moore, or
3: Josh Hader? I think I'd go Solaire, Matt Moore, and I think I could find another relief pitcher for that kind of middle middle to back end relief. The
2: um, the knock on Solaire is that he plays poor defense. I think you can hide him in left field with the Astros, and like I understand half of your games aren't at Minute Maid Park. Uh, you could also play Jordan out there a little bit, which I don't love that idea. God, I just, every time you say that, I just have visions no. of that that slip, the feet slipping out mm. from under him like he was on a, a patch of ice. That was a rough one. Oh. I, have, uh, I have visions of him getting hospitalized because of the fireworks smoke in Atlanta. In Atlanta. How yeah. about the? Uh, how I think about, the, about
1: Jeremy Pena.
2: The Jeremy Pena collision oh, the was collisions. nasty. Yeah, 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 was nasty. Um, sources tell me that Jeremy Pena is working on lifting the ball. By the way, um, I have visions of him sleeping on his pillow the wrong way in Tampa and having to be flown home, home yeah. because he had a stiff neck. You're on so soft. But we love him because he's an absolute stud. Uh, But yeah, I don't want him playing left field. I think the Astros are committed to the idea of what their current outfield setup is going to be. I think they're committed to Chaz playing left, Jake playing center, Tucker playing right. Uh, I don't love it. Now, defensively, I think it's pretty dang good. Um, I don't love the offense of it. But the upside is... You lose Martín Maldonado out of your lineup. You add Yiner, who you think's a plus offensive player. Like your eight nine guys are going to be Pena and Jake Myers. Right? It was worse last year. It was worse last year with Pena and Maldonado. So, like, I think that you it's a, it's a little bit easier to accept. Because of the upgrade you have offensively now behind the dish yeah, no doubt
3: about it, and when you think about holes last year versus this year, there are some upgrades there are some changes already made, but when you think about the ability i just i just don 't believe in jake myers anymore i don 't believe in him I do
2: defensively uh,
3: offensively i don 't I still think i got you know i got to see I, I love the Jake Myers before the injuries in terms of his ability to you know to take the right route to balls to be able to charge in or go up on, on the warning track or into the wall. Um his arm didn't look like it was he was being thrown in by, you know, someone in a sixty five and older softball league. Um uh, but I, I just I don't have a lot I want Chaz in center field. I would love to have Chaz in center field and when you think about his offense and talk about upgrading a lineup from year to year, if Chaz is in center field, he's an above average hitting center fielder regardless sure. of his defense. And he's not a bad defender either. And then you put someone else in left field, you know, whether they're fleet of foot or not, but if they're a decent defender, Your defense isn't hurting and your offense goes way up because you've already got Maldi out of the lineup.
2: Um. Yeah, I I don't hate your idea, but if if this is like the only option, Hater for twenty, like cool, like I'm not going to get mad about. Oh, that. I love
3: the fact that yeah, again, you change the way to be dominant. Now yeah. you don't have to be as dominant offensively
2: if you got to lead and turn it over to those guys for the last three. And Crane's a pitching owner, you know, he likes the pitching because he used to be a pitcher. Now I I could hear your argument too that it's a better way to spend the money. Joe, you asked the question, so I know you got an answer.
1: So my answer is Josh Hater. Uh, I just <laughs> think that it, it gives you such an elite seven, eight, nine. You don't have to have traditional roles. In that, you know, if you're playing the Dodgers and Otani's coming up, like, you can have Hater in that inning. If you're playing the team, if you're playing the Yankees and they got Rizzo and those guys up there, like, you can throw a lefty in the 7th, 8th, or ninth. It brings a different factor. But to one of your guys' original questions, like, how does it change your view of the offseason? Yes, it gives them, like, a, at least a B. But if this rumor is out there, it means they're at least in some way, shape, or form considering to go into the luxury tax if they fail to get hater and then don't spend any over the luxury tax and just keep it as is it turns into an f now you know that my, i know but my expectations emo, though
2: he only does it for a big move that's he's true. only done it once the but, Berlander, he, right? but
1: whenever he said
2: like whenever he's asked about it we would do it with the right move so i, I think it's more player driven than like the idea of actually being in that territory
1: 100% but there are other guys that like i think Solaire is a big enough move to do this. Like, I, I think has Blake Snell signed yet? No, like it's not that's great, kind of a pipe but in Chandler pointed this out, what's interesting about this move is that Jim crane went on the record after the trade deadline that they tried to acquire a starter and a relief pitcher from the Padres, but they decided not to Yeah. referencing Blake Snell and Josh Hader. So they've at least have been showing interest for a while. And that's kind of why the story I, I buy it. I don't, I don't really think this is the Rizzo thing.
3: Yeah. I hope you're right.
1: I really I, do. I,
2: I I do like the source because it, it was Chandler Rome, and whenever that it's been against the Astros leaked by an agent, it's always been a national guy. Yeah, last year it was uh, it was Rosenthal. Yep, it was Rosenthal. So I do like the source. Like whenever I say agent driven to force another team, the counterpoint I would have to that well, it was Chandler Rome. It wasn't a national guy, and in the past, when it has been that, it's always been a national guy. A couple of texts here six one seven one. If they were to sign Hater, does Presley get demoted to setup man? I think,
3: you know what, I, I've thought about it and we've already talked about the fact that we know that the closer and waiting is already a Bray you. But I, I think that the, as much as Dusty kind of went to this from time to time but didn't like to do it a whole lot, you could do closer by committee. I mean, look, we know that Presley a lot of times has a tough time going two in a row or, you know, three and four day, three or four, three and four or five days. Now you could have your, your choosing when you sit there and you're a spot and you go, look, if I look at those three horses in the bullpen, if I feel like one guy doesn't, you know, he gave it his all the night before, or instead of having to rely on Presley to go back to backs and a little bit more, the fact that I can choose from any one of those three guys, if I wanted to mix it up. It's an easy decision to go closer by committee. I don't think any of the three guys should have an issue with that because you're more fresh, and, and and you
2: know the team has a better chance to win. I think Presley would be the only one that would have an issue with it. I would just keep Presley as my closer, and then I would play matchup games with a Brayu hater in whatever part of the game.
0: Because
3: it, it was like Joe said, you you we all agreed, but and you you because you were big on the Abreu as a closer. Use him in your highest leverage situations. Now you got two guys to do that. No,
2: with. I wasn't big on a Bray's closer. I, I, I'm big on a Bray being the future closer. I, I didn't want to promote him over a Presley. Oh, I thought you. I
0: thought late in the year. I wanted. Okay. I wanted
2: him to be the highest leverage guy, but, uh, but keep Presley. But, but in that's
3: the, ninth. the point. The, the, the bigger point that I was making, though, that you guys had both said, "Look, you just you know he doesn't have to be
2: the closer, but you use him in your highest leverage. If you can put Hater in that as a lefty." Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. A couple of more texts on the other side. Your your thoughts on Hater, if you if you have them. Uh, is this the right way to spend twenty ish million dollars? If you're Jim Crane and the Astros, a few weeks before pitchers and catchers report. Also, I love this argument that uh, I heard with uh, Paul and uh, DJB Anime. Uh, Who is better right now, Lamar Jackson or C.J. Stroud? It's the Killer Bs on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Nothing's better than Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage. Stroud's not better. Lamar's not better. Uh, You know that I like food. I love food. You can tell that. Tex-Mex is my favorite. Food. Valen- I am Tex Mex, by the way. Valencia's Tex Mex Garage is serving up the best Tex Mex in the city. Made from scratch with the finest, freshest ingredients. Homemade tortillas, fajitas to die for, delicious enchiladas, and margaritas that hit. The spot, Whether it's the Garden Oaks, Oak Forest location, uh, you go out there, enjoy nice food, the very best food and those margaritas. Also, here's a little tip for all of you guys out there, maybe even you women out there, uh, that you're always waiting to the last minute before you book your Valentine's dinner night. We, we know how you, you are. How about you just book it now? Uh, Valencia, uh, Valencia's has the perfect deal for you. Not only can you really impress on Valentine's, but you can also do it at an affordable price with delicious food. Their Valentine's dinner special is just... $39.99. Dinner for two for less than 40 bucks. Where else are you going to get that on Valentine's Day? Two house or pineapple margaritas. That's fantastic. That sounds like a great start. Happy hour size Tex-Mex queso. Great appetizer before you get your combo fajitas with bacon wrapped shrimp as well. And they even got some dessert for you, whether it's the Thres Leches or Mexican carrot cake. So take advantage of the Valencia's Valentine's Dinner Special. Dinner for two. Great food. Great price. All for $40 and impress that significant other in your life. Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage, where all the food is made from scratch.
0: Hey Houston, you're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5.
2: He's blank on Branham. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN uh, ninety-two 5. We'll get to that heated discussion that uh, that DJ and uh, Galan had a little bit earlier. We have DJ on tomorrow, too, so maybe we can bring it up with him again tomorrow. But first, uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. Josh Hader, reportedly, Astros are trying, according to uh, Chandler Rome. Junior Broncos says would rather shore up the bullpen and give Durden, Jolks, or Milton run in the outfield over 31-year-old Soler i don 't know if they think very highly of um, of Dearden because they left him off the forty man roster didn 't get drafted in the rule five draft and like never got a sniff last year. Uh jokes to me. Love Corey jokes. Go cooks. Uh to me, he's a four A player. He's a backup outfielder type. Melton's the one that you can get excited about, but I still think that his ETA is two thousand twenty five. Like I would be a little surprised unless there's struggles in the outfield if he's on the big league roster getting significant starts this season. I'm with you on that.
3: I I, I mean, I was a little surprised that you know he became the sexy name and that you know you've got uh, Dana getting excited about him and talking about him. I was like, yeah, I, I could see maybe down the road. I just don't see him as a contributor this year. Maybe he gets a little look, but I, I just don't see it.
2: 713-780-ESPN. Uh, Let's go out to the HRMP listener line for Thomas. Thomas, you're in the hive of the bees. What is up? Hey, guys. Uh, I just want wanted to say that I'm a pro, I guess, bringing on hater guy because it just kind of opens up the playbook for a spot. So if there's a like important key, basically closer spot in the 7th or 8th inning, you're not stuck to your, you know, normal way of doing things. You can bring in Presley, or if you're doing it closer by committee, you bring in it like for matchups. But then you aren't, you know, you're you're not out of any options after you use them up. So I love the idea, you know, just not being stuck to your typical seven, eight, nine kind of situation. Um, and yeah, it's going to prove important since we're probably going to be in close close games this year. I'll hang up and listen.
3: Appreciate the call. Uh, no, look, I, I mean, for me. I don't know how you can't get excited about a Josh Hader. I I mean, I understand. And I think to to Joe's point as well, too, if it means that they're just going to open up the checkbook, they're actually going to go over the tax. They're actually willing to do what we've always been under the impression that they're not willing to do. I I don't want to say I don't care how they do it, but I care more that they are willing to make that extra commitment that, yeah, as an owner, no matter how much money you make, you hate to lose money or have to give money away. But in the process, if you make your team that much better and stronger, and it could be for a, a good long run, I'm, I'm all for that. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, he was talking too about like the game management at the end of games and how you deploy the back end of the bullpen. Uh, I also, to his point, like you got a manager that I think is going to be progressive enough to do it. Where. No knock on Dusty. Right, uh, Dusty's more set. You're my seventh-inning guy. And he, he he did go away from this in the playoffs. Like, right. tip my cat to Dusty, especially the year they won the World Series. Like, he flipped a Bray you from being, like, a sixth-seventh-inning guy to an eighth-inning guy. Uh, so maybe I'm not giving Dusty enough credit for being progressive. But I think a spot is going to be super progressive even in the regular season. So it would make more sense with a progressive manager than, like, an old school seven, eight, nine 7-8-9-inning guy uh, and, and no, like, leeway. So I like that aspect of it. Watching Hater 2
3: last year. You know, he's obviously dominant when he's on his A game, but it also gives you a little confidence, too. Sometimes there are going to be times where he just can't find the zone, and, and to be able to turn it over to another closer or two other closers that are in your bullpen, depending on what the situation is, though. I mean, as, as a first-year manager, first time ever as a manager with Joe Espada, to have those three guys in the back of the bullpen knowing, look, I can get out of but just about any situation late in games with one or, one
2: or more of these guys and still have another guy left to close the actual game in a tight game extra inning game. That'd be fantastic. Versace says, don't believe that report sent by the Astros to calm fans down that think the Astros don't care about winning based on the zero offseason action. I think it's plausible. Like, I'm not going to poo-poo that because I do think that it is plausible. A 9513, any issues with the $20 million reliever not closing? Not me. Like, As long as he's getting leverage innings, I really don't care if he's closing. And I think if a guy's getting $20 million, I don't think he's going to care that he's not closing because he got oh. paid. He got paid. Not only got paid, wants. but if he got paid and he's on a winning team, and, and if you know, he cares for that, I don't know if he cares for that. But
3: I, I mean, obviously, I mean, look, we we know there are guys that don't. But if you you first and foremost care about your well being and your your income, but if you get the money and you're on a, on a World Series caliber team and you know that your bullpen is loaded now and you you're helping that too, I, I think you care less about whether you're closing or not and care more about you know being dominant as a team. All right, so
2: Paul and uh, DJ had a uh, had a, a little a little pretty good little debate there. DJ got very heated. DJ left his seat. Oh, really? He left his seat in this conversation. Uh, Paul said that he'd rather have C.J. Stroud over Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. He said the only two quarterbacks he would take ahead of C.J. Stroud, uh, Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow, even though Stroud beat Burrow in Cincinnati. Uh, where are you? Who has the quarterback advantage Saturday? The Ravens with Lamar or the Texans with Stroud?
3: You know what? To me, I'm going to I'm gonna lean to Lamar right now. Lamar's going to win his, another MVP, his second MVP award. Uh, Lamar has had an unbelievable season. Lamar is extremely talented. Lamar can do so many things that make him a dynamic, not one-of-a-kind ever, but in you know, for right now, he's so special in so many ways, and I think his passing has actually gotten better because, in part, they've given him more weapons, too. That This is no slap on CJ, but we don't know at this point in the season and what CJ is capable of doing. We know that Lamar's put two MVPs on the board, and Lamar... Is unbelievably dominant when he's in his bag. So I'm going to say I'm going to go right now. I would take Lamar over over CJ.
2: Yeah, I'm on the Lamar side of this too. I do think that it's tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one thing that I would disagree with DJ about, he said that Lamar was equal to to CJ as a passer. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go there. Uh, I think Lamar is an underrated passer. I don't think he's to the level of, of CJ as a thrower. But an overall player, I still have to give the lean to Lamar. I really don't care about winning the MVP. What four or five years ago? Like that means nothing to me. I care about the next four or five years. Well, in this conversation. Who's better today. I, I give the slight lean to Lamar. Lamar was my number one quarterback coming into the postseason, even if ahead ahead of Mahomes. I think he's playing at a tremendously high level. I think the offense around him's like suiting his style of play. Monken, the OC, uh, Zay Flowers has been a great addition for him, and he's getting Mark Andrews back. Uh, Stroud's on the precipice. He's right there. He's yep. on the cusp. He's not quite to Lamar Mahomes just yet. I think he's still second tier ish but he's top 3 top 5 in the NFL for me. And you know what?
3: They're they're they should be feeling themselves too. The momentum, we always talk about the hot team as well. But they haven't played a playoff game yet, but the fact that they're rolling in having blown the doors off the Niners once, I think six in a row to end this the regular season. But when you talk about a team that that has done everything that they've done this year to set up the surrounding supporting cast around Lamar, mm-hmm. that that's that means something in the playoffs too. And I think that he wants to prove that, you know, that reputation that he has in the postseason is not true. Uh, he, right now, today, I'd take Lamar.
2: Now, if he has another stinker in the postseason and Stroud beats him in his place, then we can readdress no that conversation. Much. Kadri Ismail does TV pre-post in Baltimore. Super Bowl champion for the Ravens back in the day as well. Let's ask him. I'm sure he's going to like that question. Kadri joins us next. Killer bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.